This is a Locker Room Production. Just because I love you, it don't mean I trust you. Everybody not to be trusted. Everybody around me thugging, yeah. Everybody around me drugging, yeah. Everybody around me hustling, yeah. Everybody know not to bring no new nigga around me to say I be bugging. Got racks in the go yard luggage. If you look the wrong way, I'ma up it. Give me one reason and I'ma bust it. Doing donuts in a double lock, fuck it. She look right in my eyes when she suck it. Bank account fat like Professor Clump. Bitches love me like Buddy. Buddy love the mama tell me she love me. Then I disappeared all of a sudden. I ain't got time for all this and it is episode 19 of Keeping It 200. You are now officially rocking with the best. Shout out to Young Dolphin Key Lock for Buddy Love. Um, just kick off the show. It's the, what day is it now officially? Oh, yep, yeah, June 7th, 2021. We are officially back with our 19th episode. If you haven't checked out episode 18, make sure to go check it out. It was a all-star show in a lot of ways went over an hour and 30 minutes usually i like to keep keeping it 200 under 90 minutes but we were able to keep the but we were still able to go just six minutes over two hours fun show had various guests on there from off the top rope where you can check out his stuff on spotify and other stream platforms and of course this episode of keeping it 200 is um going to be on spotify right after so you guys can check that out if you want to um, not really anything to talk about in NBA today because in the NBA we only had we had we covered everything over the weekend. In episode 18, we covered NBA playoffs day 12, 13, 14, and 15. So the only thing that was left to do was just cover WWE and AEW. I could not cover that last night because I had to worry about the NBA playoffs and everything that was going on. However, the NBA playoffs don't kick off till. Um, because tonight is tonight is the playoffs again, but games don't start till 7:30 p.m. East. It's 6:20 p.m. East right now where I'm at, so we are able to just get into Friday Night SmackDown and AEW Dynamite on Friday because AEW Dynamite has been on Friday the last two weeks. We'll be back on Friday again, and after that it will be on Saturday, and then go back to Wednesdays. Um, so that's what's going on right now. Actually, no, it's, uh, two more Fridays and then another Saturday. So, um, so AEW Dynamite is going to be taped this week and next week. So that's all that's going on for right now. For Friday Night Smackdown, it was live and, um, they are in their process of ending the Thunderdome. Thunderdome ends in a month and everything. So I did not get into, I did talk about Smackdown a little bit. Yesterday in episode 18, but I really didn't go into full link details like I usually would on the show. Um, hoping Off the Top Rope does come in live into the locker room, so that way I can invite him and get his perspective, but he might be busy. so And it's locker room, so I can't just call him or nothing. So, However, um, Friday Night Smackdown, we're just going to get into the shows. We're going to start with Smackdown first because it was the show that started off at 8 p.m., 10 p.m. was the Dynamite on TNT. So Friday SmackDown had two championship matches that were advertised in the week. It had the Intercontinental Championship between Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews, with Commander Aziz banned from ringside. 
and you had the Usos versus Rey and Dominic Mysterio for Rey and Dominic Mysterio's um, SmackDown Tag Team Championships. And the show kicked off this week with Roman Reigns. As Roman Reigns and Paul Heyman head to the ring, Michael Cole and Pat McAfee discuss Reigns' feelings about the Usos getting the championship shot. So, of course, the Thunderdome is, you know, just virtual fans, so they piped in the loud Roman sucks chants. Reigns admitted that last week he wasn't happy. He then spoke to Paul Heyman, and and he changed his opinion about the Usos championship match. Reigns noted that Reigns noted that he is the centerpiece and let the title match happen because he's a giving person. So then Jimmy Uso came down to the ring. Well, both the Usos came down to the ring, and Reigns warned Jimmy Uso since. He wanted the championship shot that they better win. Reigns demanded the Usos come to the ring. Sorry, I'm just I'm just struggling with the notes today. I don't know why I'm struggling with my notes. My bad. But the Usos did make their way to the ring, and Jay embraced Reigns and acknowledged him. And then Jimmy Uso told him, and then Reigns told Jimmy Uso it was his turn. And Jimmy Uso said that he pointed out that he did that at Hell in a Cell last October. So Jimmy and Jay were going. So Jim. So this was just uh, just a segment, just to. This was basically just to get people to just watch SmackDown first and stuff. Even though there was only one NBA game Friday, was the the Clippers Mavericks, at, and that game did not start till 9:30. So then we had the Ray and Dominic Mysterio taking on the Usos to open the match, and it was a fun, good match until we got to the finish. Um, finish came. With the Usos charged at Dominic, but he avoided it and sent them to the floor. Ray took out Jay Usos with a senton off the apron. Jimmy rocked Ray with a super kick. The finish came when Jimmy rocked Dominic with a super kick. Jimmy attempted the splash off the top rope, but Dominic got his feet up. Dominic then rolled up Jimmy for the win. And then in the replay, it, Jimmy Usos shoulder was up. And Pat McAfee called attention to it, but the ref didn't see it. Of course, Pat McAfee was on commentary telling Michael Cole that it was a botched finish. And that's kind of actually a very weird verbiage because usually I'm 99% sure botch is banned in WWE on commentary, but Pat McAfee got to use it, so... And then, of course, Jimmy and Jay were arguing with the referee after the match. But Michael Cole had to tell us that the ref's decision is final. So in the back, Roman Reigns was disappointed as Cousins lost. He ordered Paul Heyman to bring him to him. And then then after the break, you had Jimmy Uso trying to explain that he got his shoulder up. And then Reigns screamed at him and said he didn't want to hear it because he lost to a child. Alfred Kwan made a great point on the... Forbes when he covered the SmackDown show and brought and Alfred Kwan said that Dominic Mysterio is 24 years old and WWE is telling you that he's a kid so that's not good for Dominic and that's actually not because they're that means that they're going to keep telling us Dominic is a kid for probably the next five to ten years um however it was funny when Reigns did call him that and then, of course, Reigns then had to get a, a joke in, um, basically talking to Jay Uso and calling him Jimmy. And then Reigns noted that it didn't matter. So then we had a Seth Rollins interview. 
because the only thing that's been built up in the Sephiroth and Cesaro feud has literally just been the the last two weeks of the vignettes of just Cesaro being attacked by um, Rollins. So then Caleb Braxton was interviewing Seth Rollins, and this actually was actually pretty funny. Rollins noted that he didn't have to answer questions or give up his valuable time and said that he wasn't going to answer no questions about Cesaro. So then Caleb Braxton asked basically the same question twice, and he took off his mic and threw it at her. So I I actually couldn't blame Seth because Seth literally told her, don't ask me another Cesaro question, and she did. Then we had Chad Gable approach the Street Profits in the back. He said they found some flaws in their last few matches and noted he could help them out. They laughed at him and turned down his offer. Then the Usos approached Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville in their office. Adam Pearce admitted the ref made a mistake. Sonya Deville promised to decide what they were going to do by the end of the night. So we then get our next match. It's Carmella versus Liv Morgan. Two minutes. This really wasn't anything to go about. The only thing that was noted on this was that Carmella's new gimmick is now, now she has to be called the most beautiful woman in WWE today. So they, so that was the whole thing. And Carmella won. And Carmella, after the match, made Greg Hamilton, the ring announcer, say that she is the most beautiful woman in the WWE. So that's where the storyline's heading right now with that. I, I don't really care about that. So um, nothing to really talk about in a two-minute match. Then we had them in the back. It was Ray and Dominic Mysterio. They were basically trying to head out the door and basically like trying to sneak out how they made it look. And then Adam Pearson and Sonya Deville stopped them. They said they rewatched the footage from earlier and decided that Usos deserve another championship match tonight. Ray and Dom, Ray was like not like happy about this, but Dominic said that they'll give him another match. So okay. Then Michael Cole and Pat McAfee viewed the pin again because I guess like in this, I guess because they are on Fox, they have to be more sports oriented, not sports entertainment. So they were actually like making references the entire night of how, well, the shoulder was up. If this was the NFL that they, you know, they would have just said, sorry, and moved on. If this was the NBA, they would have said, sorry, and moved on. But in WWE, we give another match right after. And I'm like, I've seen matches in WWE where someone literally gets screwed out the finish and they don't even get another title match. So then we had a Bianca Belair segment. Belair noted that since winning the title from Sasha Banks, Bailey's been upset. She pointed out that Bailey hasn't done anything but laugh at her. And Belair doesn't know what's so funny. So she noted that the laugh is starting to get to her. And then, of course, you know, long story short, Bianca Belair didn't challenge Bailey to another championship match at Hell in a Cell for the SmackDown Women's Championship. Bailey then came live on the Titantron, and Bailey said that she was then she accepted she would accept the challenge. And then Bailey laughed again. And then of course we had to have the whole Thunderdome cameras all be about Bailey laughing. So we had to have some spooky stuff because WWE loves that. So then we had Otis approach the Street Profits in the back. He was mad that they were rude to Chad Gable and said that they needed to apologize. And then the Street Profits made fun of Otis and said that you need to get your money back because you're not learning anything from him. So Otis snapped and attacked both of them. Then we had the worst feud in WWE today. King Corbin taking on Shinsuke Nakamura. 
we had to have the progressive flow of the night be about King Corbin and Shinsuke Nakamura's feud with Nakamura driving around in his car, surfing, painting, getting a COVID shot, wearing that crown. So Corbin had to be in the ring for four minutes, basically, just looking at this. Um, Nakamura's entrance took longer than the entire match. Pat McAfee dancing took longer than this match. This match went like less than two minutes. Nothing to write home about again. Literally, Corbin won the match. King Corbin won the match. And then after the match, he tries to get his crown. And he's trying to walk away. And then Rick Boogs literally holds his leg down and Shinsuke attacks him. So, you know, if we had fans, I don't even know if this would be booed or cheered. But, man, Shinsuke and Rick Boogs really come off as the heels even though they're technically supposed to be the babyfaces and King Corbin's supposed to be the heels. So very opposite backwards booking they're doing in this feud. So then we actually were getting ready to get our Intercontinental Championship match, uh, Paulo Cruz versus Kevin Owens. And then Commander Aziz jumped Kevin Owens in the back, viciously beat him. So then, of course, we had Cruz Owens still for the Intercontinental Championship right after the commercial. And Apollo Crews beat Kevin Owens in 11:57. Match was decent. It it really wasn't nothing to write home about. Uh, I, I, to me, I would say that this match was just as good as the AEW main event. That that was on Friday. It wasn't it wasn't better, but it was just eh, it was just there. I didn't I didn't actually think the match was bad. I just thought it was just a decent match that wasn't big on star ratings or anything. But hey, finally bringing in Blackheart off the top rope. Uh, what's up, Blackheart? How you been, man? Yeah, what up, brother? Give me one second. Oh, take your time. What's shaking, Mo? Uh, not much, man. So, uh, actually, just getting into Friday Night SmackDown and AEW. Did you catch SmackDown Friday? Yes, I did. Alright, yeah. I'm literally just right now into the Kevin Owens uh, Apollo Cruz match that was um I, I thought the match was decent. I thought it was like the same good as quality of matches like the AEW main event Friday because the AEW main event Friday was the bull world match between Nick Colorado Nick Camarado and Dustin Rhodes, but I didn't actually mind this match here. Um but um, I'm just going to get to the finish real quick on this. Uh, it was Cruz hit a German suplex and standing moonsault for a near fall. Cruz missed a frog splash and Owens hit two super kicks. Owens then hit a power bomb for another close near fall. Owens struggled to climb to the top rope. Cruz rolled to the apron to avoid Owens. And Cruz then gave a, Owens a Death Valley driver on the apron for the victory. And then after the match, Cruz celebrated with Aziz and Sami Zayn ran out and attacked um, Kevin Owens again with a Haluma kick and yelled that karma got Owens. Um, I will say this here, though. You know, we talked about this a little bit yesterday. That but was not this. Not, but uh, I don't, I don't, you know, I don't believe in, you know, I, I believe in heaven and, and, and things of that nature. But oh, go ahead, man. I don't know if you you know, they visualize yeah, not like that. Know, the devil as and then my wife I just went down, so uh, that's probably the reason why you can't hear me today. Like oh yeah, yeah. I was wondering what who was talking to the background. Oh no, um, asshole, that's in the background. I'm on the headset, so it's pretty much just me. Um, 
I mean, I give the Kevin Owens and Apollo Crews yes. match, I give it a yes. solid B. I mean, yeah. of course, you would expect that on a Friday Night SmackDown anyway. That's like the top tier show of WWE right now. And of course, Kevin Owens is kind of like, we talked about this before, like he's been lost in the mist lately. So, it started him back into the IC title reign helps um, Apollo Crews get over more as a heel than rather you see us have back and forth matches between Apollo and Big E when we can see Big E for another time period later and we all know what happened with that with Alistair Black. Um, yeah, but yeah, but man, I look at like this Apollo Cruz Intercontinental Championship. Apollo really has been more of the background as champion. It's been more of the Commander Aziz because Michael Cole and Pat McAfee were on commentary saying, "Well, if Commander Aziz hadn't attacked Apollo, would Kevin Owens have won?" You know, you know. To me, it's it's like it's like they're not even building the Intercontinental Championship or Apollo. It's like they're trying to build the big guy that's managing Apollo. And they're building up a big guy that they got for dirt cheap instead of paying a 1.2 mil at Braun Strowman. Yeah, and then because um, Strowman's guarantee was about $450,000 downside guarantee if, if he had not worked another day in WWE the rest of the year. So, and so it, so, you know, then you look at that. But I will say this here, though Commander Aziz. Is booked like the strongest like monster on SmackDown when you think about it outside of like Roman Reigns or anything, because yeah. when I think of any of the baby faces, especially on this show, and it, and it was a cycle. The Usos, I don't know if they're baby faces or not. They have a lot of heel mannerisms and they hang around with the top heel. The Street Profits were beat up by Chad Gable and Otis. Shinsuke and Rick Boogs act like the heels, even though Corbin's supposed to be the heel. <laughs> and Ray and Dominic Mysterio, which we're getting into as is like the main event of like the second match they had on the night. Again, literally Ray and Dominic Mysterio to end the show looked like they it looked like the tag team championships didn't matter. It literally just looked like Roman Reigns closes the show just beating up just Dominic Mysterio and just beating the hell out of him for six minutes. To close yeah, but that's what's going to be setting up Roman and Ray. But before that even surpasses, they might be having two matches at Hell in the Cell. And yeah. they're going to look at it from that thing too, because defending off against the tag team titles, whenever that storyline, you know, kind of coming to a close. And matter of fact, looking at the date, there's like nine days left till Hell in the Cell. So, exactly. And- and you look at this here, though, for Ray and Dominic Mysterio. You know, I really do feel bad for Ray and Dominic because they really are the baby faces. And every match that they've been in for the titles or challenging for the titles, either Ray gets beat up before the match or after the match, they just get their ass whooped. Or after the match, they get like, they don't even get like the spotlight. They just get the spotlight taken off of them. Yeah. Um... So. Yeah, go ahead. No, nah, I mean, I was going to say, like, would you really um, be more sympathetic for Ray or for Dominic? Because Dominic got the ass beat. No, I would be more sympathetic for Ray if I had to pick one. But if I was, but if I was like, watching this show, and just say, just say you caught the last five minutes of the show, and you caught Roman Reigns Superman punching Dominic, 
you wouldn't have even thought about being a Dominic Mysterio fan because they literally just – I mean, Roman whooped his ass with the steps, and then he powerbombed him, and, and then he you guys forearmed him, and Jimmy Uso, and Jimmy Uso um, didn't even help. Jay Uso didn't help. Everybody just was just out there just looking at him, just get his ass whooped in. Jimmy just over there yelling at him like, that's enough, but Roman ain't hearing that. And then Jimmy just walked away. He just said, you know what? I'm not even going to tell him to stop no more. Like, he just told him to stop. Just one time, and that was it. And it was just like, okay, well. Um, I will say, I will say though, this year the street profits Chad Gable and Otis. I, I will say that was something that I liked in the night because, like, they, they had a beginning, they had the middle, and then of course I, I like when the street profits are more serious. So they were like pissed off that Otis like slapped them and everything like that. So of course I know next week they'll be taking on the Chad Gable and Otis, but but to me like like the only thing that was like very bothersome for the, the whole night was you had to hear Pat McAfee and Michael Cole say, "Well, this is WWE. Everyone gets." like a rematch the exact same night because we fix our problems right there in the ring. And then they kept making references at the NFL and the NBA saying, well, if this was the NFL or the NBA, you just would hear that, um, you just hear sorry and they'd move on. Mm. Well, that's different. You can't compare an outside sport like football or basketball or something like that because they can't go back. A issue a rematch for a game seven for like an NBA finals. There is no reviews. Yeah, but, you know what I mean? Yeah, so they can't say yeah, 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 but you know they had to get in the NFL reference because Pat McAfee was in the NFL as a punter. And that's so. only because Pat McAfee just because because of his whole um his podcast that he also does too. He just downplays a whole lot of stuff about certain NFL players, so that's why as well too. So he got a little jab for himself in there as well. Exactly. Um, um, now we're gonna get into the AEW. Did you see the AEW Friday? I did. Now I wanted to ask you this here about AEW because you and I haven't been able to talk about this here. You know, we know that they're on Friday this coming week and next week, and then they're on Saturday. But as long as the NBA the- playoffs are still intact, they're gonna be there. Exactly. And I wonder, and we haven't talked about AEW Rampage. Like, um, I, I've been wanting to ask, what's your thoughts on the AEW going to TBS and the Rampage show starting in August. I'm going to let you have the floor first, and then I'm going to go next with this. All right. So from TNT to TBS, it's a head-scratcher thing, but it's under one parent company, you know, Turner, you know, saying Turner Entertainment and stuff like that. So no matter what, they're going to be a part of that um, to go to the B channel. They're going to stay on the A channel, which happens a lot. Um, you know, when you think about TBS, you think about the movie channel, you think about comedy channel and sitcoms. So to have that wrestling dynamic there, they better either change their makeup when it comes to that channel as far as like presentation of more edgier shows that can get more viewers to tune, tune into TBS. Um, so, but then again, you gotta remember how what was it, WCW Thunder, and what's the word back in the day, Saturday night? Yeah, WCW, WCW Saturday had the, in the, or something like that. Yeah, in the early 90s that we had that, and that was pretty successful, so I can't knock that for happening, it's just not the people, the fans are more disappointed in that move because it just feels like 
wrestling is not getting the proper recognition that it deserves on television. And doing this move kind of sets it all, so I hope they don't lose momentum because it's a pretty good alternative. And a lot of fans will be highly upset if that one one particular one is going to be exactly the same thing as WCW in 2001. Now, as for the Red Page show, it's great that Tony, that Tony Khan didn't say, yeah, we'll incorporate under the hour to our Dynamite program. I think he was just wanting to stretch it out um, as much as he could. And I think looking at the dynamic of how Raw's doing, you don't want to do the same thing to your current product as well. So and having it on Fridays is great. Having it on Fridays is good because, as I told people from before, right after SmackDown, and then you're off for an hour, you're going to sacrifice that one hour to watch that to whatever extra programming. So it's great for wrestling. It's good for both. It's good for both Friday nights, as just as people who don't like going out, they want to stay in, you know what I'm saying, stuff like that. They got something to watch on, especially if you're a wrestling fan. So that's the thumbs up in that play. And supposedly, Rampage is supposedly the continuation of Dynamite. So whatever stuff that we didn't see on Dynamite, we could potentially see it there. So at least it gives you another way to get a recap in during the week. That's what we got to say about those two things. All right. Well, here's what I'm going to say about the Dynamite and the TBS and everything. To me, question, I'm going to get now, into the moving way, into the right, TBS. Uh, right. repentance the the is, TBS uh, yeah, move, hundred. Like I understand 100%. that there might be some people um, that are upset and are like saying, well, you know, Dynamite um, was you know, on T- TNT and it um, is the more, and TNT is the more prestige channel. It is. But because of the NHL and because of the NHL playoffs the next year, remember, TNT uh, will have the NHL playoffs uh, four out of the seven years in their up, deal. Uh, the other three years will go to ESPN as the uh, NHL is under a two-thing contract with um, two networks, as, uh, ESPN and, and, and Turner Broadcast. So there still will be NHL games on TBS, but AEW won't be able to be preempted or nothing like that. And I understand why – Dynamite wants to stay on Wednesdays. I understand that. Now for the Rampage show, you know, and also I want to get into this here before I get into that Rampage. If WCW had stayed around after 2001, they were going to go to TBS on a 10-year deal and be there just on Wednesdays. And it was going to become a WCW Nitro just on Wednesdays. So it actually, actually this has actually been a long thing coming. It's just that, you know, they did good on TNT, and they've actually done great. It's just the NBA's there, and they can't move to Tuesdays, and they can't move to Thursdays, so you understand that. And on TBS, the really only sports outside the NHL would be the MLB, but the MLB only takes up two weeks out of the year, really, on TBS, because TBS only owns just the MLB games. Um, They only own just a certain, just like the wild card. They don't own anything else, because World Series still belongs to Fox and others. For the Rampage show being one hour, I am interested in this. My only thing about Rampage is that I'm worried about is right now we have too many. We don't even have enough titles in this company. And here's what I don't like about AEW right now as is. When it comes to they only have four titles. They only have the. The Women's Championship, the AEW World Title, the TNT Belt, and the Tag Team Championships. When things happen on Dark, for example, we had the Britt Baker celebration and everything. 
and you had TH2 in there, you had Luther Serpentico, you had the Wingmen, you had um, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero. If you're a casual viewer, you're probably wondering, well, who the hell is half of these people? Because no one's not watching Dark like that successfully, you know. Or Elevation for that matter, too. Exactly, because and even if they did, they're not going to watch a Luther match because Luther in those matches don't do anything, and no one would have gotten the jokes of why he was holding on to Serpentico because the joke is in every tag match he just throws Serpentico around. Serpentico does a a flying move, and the wingmen, you know, shout out to Peter Avalon, but how can they be wingmen when Cesar Bononi is literally married, and JD Drake? I I understand he's a good wrestler but he doesn't have a gimmick and Nick Nement looks like a 2011 Dolph Ziggler. So I don't, so I don't really buy into that group anyway. Oh, beautiful, Luciana. Thank <laughs> you. And, and this, and this was, a, and this is a big issue to me. Like Rampage actually needs championships on this show. Like every, if they're going to have a, if they're going to have four AEW shows, you need to establish championships on these brands and Rampage. And I understand Tony Khan and Cody have teased, six-man belts but that doesn't mean nothing because i'm like i mean ring of honor does the six-man belts and new japan does the six-man belt right but that i mean right but i think it's more public i think it would be more um polarized if you get on a bigger network because think about how many people really watch this ring of honor besides the real hardcore fans besides the lot fans that want to see something on the cable networks they're not gonna know it. I mean, they're, they're not gonna know about that the same way that they don't know about major league wrestling being on Vice TV on every on uh, every Saturday at twelve. No one knows yeah. that. No, no. You know what I mean? So I think they're just trying to get away to polarize those opportunities that did achieve it so well in other companies, but doing an Americanized hey, company. A, I, I I will say this here though: if Rampage stays one hour, I think. Rampage will actually be better than Dynamite in a couple of months after it's on because it's going to be a one-hour show and everyone can really – and everyone will actually enjoy – because it, usually people will enjoy a one-hour show over a two-hour show, especially when you have SmackDown that comes on Fridays at 8 to 10. So, so I actually understand that. My issue is I think they, they need to get championships. They need to get more championships because – in the UFC, you don't have four belts. In the WWE, you don't you don't have four belts. I think to me, they they need they need more mid card titles too, especially on and all these can be on separate shows. Like for example, I, I wish that they did something with the FTW Championship. I really did because because but now they they tell you the FTW Championship is more of just a belt literally around someone's waist to hold it like like an actual belt that you wear on jeans. Then yeah, and anything. that's a bad part about that too. I think they should initiate that and have it more significant in that. But then again, wouldn't they have to rebrand that belt to try to make it like a make it like a mid rank belt because the TNT championship is already the mid card belt as is. So yes. the FT belt would have to be like a lower tier like opener thing, like a light heavyweight or like a cruiserweight title, but you don't want to have too many of those around either. No. I mean no. I I mean I would highly suggest like a light heavyweight title or something. 
to be I, I would in the too, mix. I, I, I would, I would too, or, or they could actually make a you know a heavyweight championship or something just for like guys like Brian Cage and them because they do have enough big guys now of Cage, Camarado. You know, you can have Mark Henry or Paul White introduce the belt. You know, that's that's what I or would, maybe a know, super heavyweight like, belt. There you go. For the super heavyweight side, so like the bigger people and um some of the, the bigger superstars like you know say that can come into the company and that can you know and then they can challenge for it. Exactly. Uh bring it on Ash. What's up, Ash? Hey, what's up? Ash catches back. <laughs> 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 I'll fuck with you, man. <laughs> nah, I know. Yeah, uh so of course. Getting into Dynamite. Dynamite opened up with the Young Bucks. They took on Pac and El Pepsi, El Zero Mero. Um, this was basically everything oh, that on that for expected me a in a tag team match with the Young Bucks and Pac versus Penta. Um, I, I'm not going to go through all the moves. I'm just going to go through the finish. Nick and Penta faced off in the center of the ring. Nick poked the official Rick Knox in the eye and pulled off Penta's mask, but Penta had a second mask underneath. He took down Nick before um, Pac hit the black arrow for a nice pinfall with the official distracted. Cutler then hit Pac with the camera, and Nick um, got a roll-up for the victory because, as I mentioned on Keeping It 200, the roll-up is the most powerful finish in wrestling today and Blackheart even you can agree and the most dangerous move of all sports at the table the surprise roll up shout out to my man Simon Miller from from. (laughs) I actually I actually knew that reference right when you said that I was like I said yeah I I knew where he was going with that (laughs) but but yo come on man you can't blame me for that and then this is like the I mean like we all know this that maybe Yes, and I, I will say this here, the roll up, you know, to me, I'm surprised no one hasn't made that their finisher yet. Like someone like, like someone like Micah Nakazawa, who doesn't even get on TV, or Brandon Cutler, should just use that as a finish because, my goodness, that would actually get over. That really would, but I don't know if it because. But then again, they, I, I think that someone like a Brandon Cutler, or Micah Nakazawa, needs to have a roll up as their finisher because if they did. They would really get over quickly with the crowd, especially with AEW's crowd, because AEW they always get over with their crowds immediately. So, um, I just feel like the I mean, the, I mean, the surprise roller or the small package roll should be like a jobber's finish. Just to try to get in, try to try to get in and get out, and they can just prolong it. Ask me for. Well, I did have to ask you, what did you think of the? Um, the opener on AEW Friday, the Young Bucks versus Pac and Penta. Um, first off, I gotta ask, where the fuck was where the fuck was my man Ray so Phoenix R&D, at? That was first and foremost. So I figured he was injured. I had to read the article about that. Um, the match, the match was a pretty standard tag team match for them. The, yeah, the match with the priest stayed a tag team match for them, to really be honest with you. Um, I can't, I don't know, like, without Penta, I don't see him, like, uh, it's so staggering about the whole Penta situation because him and his brother are so good as a team, but when you put, like, Pac as, like, a substitute for Ray Phoenix, it's just not the same. It doesn't feel the same to me. 
Well, you know what? Well, you know what I found funny how no one on commentary or anything mentioned Alex Abrahantes because usually he's usually there saying Penta says and he wasn't even there. Yeah. And uh, as far as the match goes, it was like it was basically like the the Young Bucks tag match I always see. It wasn't nothing like that. It was just I've seen this I've seen this Young Bucks match before. You know I, I know I know that'll upset some of the, um, the Dave Meltzer stands in the world, but but, I, I, but I'm sorry. There's the Young Bucks as heels for some reason they can turn it on and have a good match, and then they and then they're just so into their gimmick as a heel. That's very annoying, and they actually take – they actually have go-away heat, but people don't want to admit that about the Young Bucks being heels because it – they're very annoying as heels. I will say that. If they're working with the right opponent, so you don't pay attention to it. Um, yeah, but yeah, – so Go ahead, Oh, never mind. <laughs> yeah, okay. Well, I guess he – okay. So then, of course, we had Tony Schiavone – he introduced Mark Henry. Mark Henry said he was not here to fix AEW because AEW is not broken. He's here to turn nah, the screws. Brother. That was well put. I appreciate that. And Shivani asked if Henry would get back in the ring. Mark Henry said he's not going to say yes right now, but he said he has a lot left in the tank. So then Vicky Guerrero interrupted. I call three more matches left for Mark Henry, and that's it. Yeah, a couple more. Yeah, like I say two. I say, I say three. I say, I say two. I say. I think one of them is going to be with Paul White for the tag team championships. You think so? I think so because because, because that's going to break I, their tag team division, man. That's a no go look for them. I think they would do it because I think they would do it because Paul White and Mark Henry are the best of friends, and they would actually like to tag team with each other and at least try to win the championships. Because I do know in 2013, before Mark Henry suffered a groin tear. They yeah. were actually scheduled to win the tag team championships from the Shield. So, but what does that say to the rest of the tag team division over the AEW that these two can pair up and be a team and then they win? Well, no, I wouldn't have them win. I would just have it as a as a TV main. Have event. them as a team. Man. I'm glad you just said something about the TV thing, right? Mm. Because this is a conversation I have. But I mean, depending on how they utilize both of these guys, well. and then they really yeah, have them the go throughout the whole division, work and work them work them up that way. And if it works, I understand that 100. Well, I will say this here: watch Vicky Guerrero came out next. This is where I felt AEW. Should have just announced this man on Sunday, but I understand why they did it Friday. She then announced Andrade El Idodo is a part of AEW, and of course the crowd cheer, the crowd popped, and Andrade thanked Vicky, yeah. and, he, and he said he he said he was the face of Latinos, but today he said he was going to be the new face of AEW. To me, this is what I have to say about this here. I understand that Andrade is a great asset, and I understand he's going to be great there, but this is my problem here. Now you're signing way too many WWE people. Now now we're really... That's what that, I was saying that, the other day, yeah. It, because, yeah, indeed. This is TNA, WCW. Yeah. And, and, and now you've got people on Twitter now making fun of AEW now because now they put the W now as the WWE logo. Wait, wait, 
and, and, wait, 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 wait. Now, to that last part right there, think about how many people who have left that company, right, that went to other companies, but yet, but yet, they'll downplay that. There's other people that went to Impact, didn't downplay that. You know what I'm saying? People make their choices about where they want to go. And they have certain friends in certain companies. So we can't blame us. Oh, we can't blame the wrestlers for choosing where they go. They just feel like they'll have more success and they probably have a, a hard on for Vince. And they want to stick it to the program. So what are you going to do to get noticed like that? You're going to go to their main competition and say, hey, look at me, Vince. I'm going to do what you told me that I couldn't do, and I'm going to do it my way over here because somebody over here believes in me. If someone doesn't tell me I got to take English classes to make a great promo. Uh, I want to bring in Juan and Trey. Um, Juan, Trey, how's it going with you guys today? What's going on? What were y'all talking about? Uh, we're getting into AEW Dynamite, and we're asking the question, has AEW signed too many WWE people? I was just feeling like that a couple of weeks ago, man. They taking the route of what TNA did back in like 2006 and seven, yeah. when they just started going after all the WWE washouts. I like AEW from the beginning because they was pulling talent that you really never seen before. But to me, with them bringing in all of WWE washouts, it's kind of it kind of might overshadow some of the guys that was there from the beginning. That's to me I, on the outside looking in. But sometimes I would, they might use them better. Depending on how they use them. I will say Miro has been used better, and he is the example. A Miro lot better. It, it, yeah, he's, he's been used a lot better, but when he was paired with Kip Sabian at first, eh, it wasn't working until when he had to smash his arm. And I said, thank God. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this here, though, about the Andrade thing, because even Jim Ross on Grillin' JR even mentioned this here, too. Even Andrade wanted his release from WWE, and Conrad Thompson JR talked about this, and JR said, well, why would you turn down guaranteed money in a pandemic society? And, and then JR even made, like, a reference saying, well, you know, not everyone can be signed to AEW. And here comes Andrade. He gets signed to AW. Personally, I would have waited to bring Andrade till after the all-out pay-per-view or the all-out pay-per-view because I know he's facing Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Dale Company owned. That's the World Championship in Spanish. So um, thank you for that. Thank you for being bilingual. Okay, but the but I would have waited or I would have brought him out on the pay-per-view and made him that Joker because Leo Rush who was the Joker on the AEW show Sunday, is not, you know, signed to AEW, nor can be signed to AEW because he is a part of it. And on top of that, wasn't Andrade still on the non-compete clause? So what did that expire the, uh, the day after? I will say this. I, I, I actually, actually, I'm not going to say that because because if, if he had that, then he wouldn't have been advertising for AAA because he was advertising for AAA with Alberto Del Rio and the former Sin Cara, who goes by Hudico, who was Hudico in WWE for a little short while. But I, I, I wouldn't have said that because, because again, you know, he was doing a lot of stuff for AAA and was doing and was on their TV show in Mexico. How, how, however, the, the, the Sin Cara that was released like a year or two before the pandemic, he did the same thing too, but he just changed his name and they didn't get on him, so... 
I will say this here, though. When it comes to the 90-day non-compete, I think it's kind of like – I think it's for some people, and I don't think it's for others because – Yeah, cause I was going to say certain people got immediate releases. Other ones got 30 days. Other ones got 60 days. And others had 90 days. And, and, and you can tell if people are getting – and you can tell if people are really on non-competes or not because – like the people of Chelsea Greens and Mickey James and Andrade's, they go on and do a podcast literally a day or two after. Even Alexander Wolf, who was eliminated, did a podcast a day or two after about his time in NXT and everything. So it's just – to me, I don't like see it as like, okay, well, I see like – you know. but to me, if they were really on 90-day non-competes and I was WWE, I would call them and be like, well, you can't be slandering our company or anything like that or even talking good on a podcast till, till, till we stop paying you. And that's what I would do. But I, I think in WWE's case too, I, guess I think they learned from the whole CM Punk incident. Exactly. I, I think, I think they just don't want to be like, they don't want to get a hard on or try to seem like they're like the evil company. But um, how about this year though? We go next to QT Marshall and Anthony Agogo. They defeated Cody Rhodes and Lee Johnson uh, standard tag team match. Finish came with um, Aaron Solo comes out. He distracts the raft. Cody gets knocked out by Anthony Agogo's punch. And QT wins, and then QT gets on the mic. And I guess for some reason just calls out Tony Schiavone, saying Tony Schiavone never believed in him. Because on this show, we have to always have like a mid-card or Britt Baker call out Tony Schiavone because he's Tony Schiavone, despite the fact Jim Ross is right there and actually has more of a name. Um, I will say this here about Anthony Gogo. I like, I like him. I think he's got something. I just don't. I, I just think that Anthony Gogo, and I've said this here about Karrion Cross. Some people can't work 15, 20 minute matches. Some people are best suited for seven minutes or less. Some people are. Anthony Gogo right now to me should not be going 12 minutes in any matches, even if they're tag team matches. Because Anthony Gogo, if they're, you're trying to get over this knockout punch and you're trying to get over the fact that you know he is a former boxer in the Olympics and was a bronze medalist in London, England, I would not have a boxer work 12 minutes because, because whenever people think of boxers, they think of the Tyson Furies, the Deontay Wilders, the Floyd Mayweathers, and they think, well, Floyd Mayweather, Deontay Wilder, and Tyson Fury don't go 12 minutes in these highlights I see. So that's how I would do it. But um, anybody's got anything to add on to this? Yeah, I agree. I, I think if he could get like the – like how Goldberg would do, you know, short. Exactly. Short and sweet. Yeah. Exactly. And, 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 and I will say this here though too. You know, like I understand that they want – I understand the AEW audience wants people to work like these – these matches because the audience, you know, isn't used to like, but sometimes you have to get audiences used to people working under like 10 minutes. You're just going to have to, I know that AEW is like really trying not to do that. But to me, that's, that's like things I think in the company that they've got to take other steps forward to doing because, because for example, in WWE, you have people that work, 10 minutes you have people that work under 10 minutes you know and i understand on dynamite they don't really like having short matches or squash matches but but it's not a problem to do one squash match when you do two or more squash matches yeah that's when you kill the mystique of everything like same thing with monday night raw for example monday night raw will do two or three squash matches and it's not fun and on smackdown they do the same thing and it's not fun so yeah 
So then uh, next up we had the Pinnacle Inner Circle video recap from the Stadium Stampede. And then the Inner Circle celebration, Jericho um, introduced the 2021 Stadium Stampede champions, and he gave out shirts to everybody. Sammy Guevara got a chance to speak, calling, um, you know, calling him the hero of the Stadium Stampede. Guevara loved the ending with the 6:30. He said he landed on that idiot Sean Spears, and he said he used to do that off his mom's roof. He thanked everyone. Santana, in my opinion, cuts like the best promos in the inner circle for some reason, and Santana does not get credit. Then Jake Hager said the pinnacle doesn't get to saving the fights over. He said he'd take them out again and again, and he challenged Warlow to an MMA cage fight. And then Jericho said the war isn't over, and he thinks about the pinnacle in particular. He said that he still has a personal score to sell with MJF. And that he said he's going to beat MJF in the inner circle, never forgives or forgets. Here's my issue with this feud. Disagree with me if you want. But I think the inner circle pinnacle feud needs to be over. You've already done two big matches. We don't need – I don't want to see another match between these two. I, I'm not saying the matches are bad. It's just – You've already done the two big payoff feuds. Yeah. You've gotten you got But now I think Oh no, my fault. Go ahead. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. No, I was gonna say, like, you can't like you gotta have a blow off match to this. I just think now both teams are one and one now, right? Disruptively. So you know what they're gonna try to do next is all five of them each are gonna go to the old little singles or you know what I'm saying, like like counterpart rivalries, I guess. And build that up, and then you have like say like this, right? Uh, MGF and Jericho face off in a like I quit match or something like that. Yeah. To have like some type of like blow off between them before we see them kind of split her off and go their own ways. Hey, I he, he, yeah, go ahead, go ahead. I was gonna ask a question. I was gonna change the ask to change the topic about Braun Strowman. I was wondering why WWE released him. Uh, because, because they Ron paid him $1.2 million, but Zach can answer the second part. Uh, the reason why is because WWE is trying to start making more cuts so that way they can impress their stockholders. And usually this is a Vince McMahon motto. If you are a paid guy if and if you are a top guy on the card, you usually don't get released. However... There were people that got into Vince's ear and said Ron is two years past his prime. I guess he's had some injuries that may have may have worried them. And they looked at his contract and said, well, he's getting paid too much of high money. So why don't we just go ahead and just cut him? Well, I th- see, I thought he had potential. That was a big Ron fan, but I can see him being out of his prime. So you think he's just going to go to AEW too? I can I see not. that. I can see that. But to me, I don't think Braun was out of his prime because one thing about WWE, they can always hide a big man's weakness. And to me, Braun was still heavily pushed. He was just in the WWE Championship feud with Lashley and McIntyre before he was released. He was even cutting promos about, you know, WWE being back on the road. And, you know, he actually was one. He probably, yes, he is the last big man that Vince technically got over. I mean, so I don't understand why they gave up on him, 
but maybe it could have been someone like Bruce Pritchard in Vince McMahon's ear who who is, you know, the guy that runs SmackDown and Raw as far as the writing stuff. Or it could have been people like John Laurinaitis, who's the head of talent relations, and just saying, well, he's making too much money. Yeah. Now, I, I would like to see him in the AEW. I, think. I actually, would, I actually would like to see him in AEW as well. I, I think, I think that would actually work in AEW. I think it would. But Blackheart, what do you think? <laughs> really, be honest with you. Either between yeah. AEW, I mean, well, actually, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, I've, I've heard some, I've heard rumors. That impact might be interesting. He probably would benefit, I think. I was going to say either between Impact Wrestling and AEW would be the only two. Because I think that would definitely help Impact as far as star power. Um, Them trying to get away from Twitch and, you know, try to grab a TV, you know, saying channel to go on and stuff like that. So that would be the better way for them to do it. You know, saying well, well, to get well, some it, type of recognition over there as well. Well, I will say though, Impact actually does own a TV station. They own Access TV. However, but Access is not really like a television that people that a I lot know. of people notice though. I know, I know, but I will say this here though: Impact technically does have money to buy a roster. I just think Impact is very cheap. Sa- same thing can go with Ring of Honor because no offense to Ring of Honor, they paid Marty Scurll five hundred thousand dollars a year. And ever since then, they have not tried to make an offer at anybody. Yeah, but wasn't he doing multiple things too, Marty Scroll? He was also a booker as well. Th- that is. So true, he was pulling dope. Thing- he was he, he was pulling dope. He, he was doing like what, like three jobs and getting paid like seven hundred fifty grand. To to me, but to me though, you know, if you're these companies like Ring of Honor or Impact or and and I know so no one's not even mentioned this, but. NWA, you know, you're going to have to break open those checkbooks. Like, Billy Corgan is the lead singer of Smashing Pumpkins, and I never see Billy Corgan even try to make an all-bread like a blonde or any of these guys. I understand they have 90-day non-competes, but I've never seen Billy Corgan really make, like, a big splash. I know that NWA signed Kylie Ray if anyone saw the pay-per-view yesterday, but, but of course no one does because NWA is, like, literally not seen by anybody. But 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 I will say but I will say though that these that the Impact Ring of Honor and NWA actually need to be the people that actually need to start opening up their checkbooks more because I I would say New Japan as well but New Japan you're gonna have to quarantine stuff and no one's not really trying to do that right now and I understand that so that's the reason why we have not mentioned New Japan or anything like that so. But to get but to get back to the question that that you talked about though, Blackheart, the inner circle pinnacle thing, to me, I wish they would have done just a regular five on five match before doing these two big blow off matches because because for one you kind of do kill the blow off matches a little bit, but but I under but I understand that you can actually end this on one final one, and just do the MJF Chris Jericho in a like lights out match at the next pay per view. That would be the one I've just ended at finally. But yeah. But 
But how, um, so then next up we had Kenny Omega and uh, Orange Cassidy in the best friends cut a promo where Chuck Taylor and Trent called out Kenny Omega, called him a cheater for his actions at Double or Nothing, and Orange said, if you think this is over, it's not. So we're still going to be getting Orange Cassidy, Kenny Omega down the road. Blackheart, Ash, anybody got any thoughts on this? Um, y'all can go first. Um, Orange, Ca- I like Orange Cassidy. I, I think um, he's getting an opportunity. It should be should be very interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, so Orange Cassidy, of course, if he's a remarkable guy, which he is, because even I bought his T-shirt. <laughs> so eventually. He's he's gonna get that he's gonna get that shot, but I don't think they say that he's exactly ready yet for it. But he's but he's close. I say let this thing marinate for a little bit more. I will say the this here Kenny Omega and Orange Cassidy match is gonna be actually really phenomenal to see because I love the three way, but these two having a singles match, I think should be at the next pay per view. I think this should definitely be the next pay-per-view match. I understand that m- people may not like it, but I think this should definitely be the a main event match. I definitely do. Um, for the for the next pay-per-view at All Out. I definitely think that. Then we had Kenny Omega and Don Callis. They were asked about being accused of cheating. Callis said that instead of people should be talking about the conspiracy to screw Omega out of the title. Omega was then asked about his upcoming defense against Jungle Boy. Omega said... There's a big difference between Jungle Boy and a Jungle Man. He said he loves Jungle Boy's music, and then he and Cal started singing it, and that led to the next segment of Jungle Boy and Christian Cage. They defeated Private Party. I thought this was like the worst match of the night, because no offense to Private Party, but if you don't watch AEW Dark or Dark Elevation, you really don't ever see Private Party, and Private Party is literally just coming out they dress like Apple workers. You've got my Isaiah God, Cassidy. the outfit, the outfit yeah, got, killed me. You got Isaiah, you got Isaiah Cassidy on, and they've had oh, way oh, better matches. Than oh yeah, I remember the match that they had against the Young Bucks at um, Boston when AW first started traveling, and I was, yeah. you know, and I was at the second show, and I couldn't believe the match that I watched. But now looking at them now, I'm like, what the fuck have y'all done to them? This is another knockoff of other street profits a little bit, except yeah. now. And, and what's and what's funny is when every private party was starting out, the street profits were just coming up on the main roster, and you know Paul Heyman was of course in charge of Raw and stuff, so they didn't have matches off the get go. They were just cutting promos. So mm-hmm. so to me, you know, but this private party, you know, to me, it, I don't think I don't think them being heels works. But also, I just feel that, you know, that someone in the company just said, well, they beat the Young Bucks, and I think that – and people, like, regret – I think that there was people, like, of the Dave Meltzers and these guys that probably got to their head and probably thought, well, maybe they're not ready yet for prime time. To me, here's what I have to say about wrestlers that are green and stuff. I understand that wrestlers are going to be green in a lot of areas. But you can hide the weaknesses and stuff, and you don't technically need to, you know, to me, you don't have to, like, for example, like, they could have kept pushing Private Party, but instead they gave up on Private Party, and I'm just like, man, like, and this match here that they worked, they were just, 
They, they were trying to basically be like the Young Bucks. They were making fun of the five-second pose. You know, they, they were just doing more taunting. You, you know, they really weren't doing a lot of high-flying stuff. And then you had Christian, you know, you know, because Christian really hasn't had a great blow-away match really in AEW yet. He's had one good match that was with Matt Seidel, but he hasn't had really a great match. And then, of course, you know, Jungle Boy, you know, he's definitely, he definitely has a great hot tag and everything. But to me, I was just very, I was just, to me, this was just like the, kind of like the worst match of the night. You know, and, and I'm glad that Jungle Boy and Christian won because that was the right thing to do. But And then afterwards you had Christian, after the match, get hit with a twist of fate by Matt Hardy. So, so, so if you are a former WWE fan or a fan of WWE from 10 years ago, you're going to get Matt Hardy and Christian feuding now. So, <laughs> Just put a ladder in between. <laughs> do, yeah, do what Shawn Michaels did. Just walk up, throw it in a ladder, and just walk <laughs> out of there and skip to my Louie and shit. It's actually going to be weird because if they just have like a feud and it's just like a one month TV feud where they don't even have like no hardcore match or nothing, that's going to be really weird to anybody that's watched WWE and has watched a Christian or Matt Hardy match before and say and say and just say and just say they're just WWE fans from 10, 15 years ago and they're just watching AEW now and getting back into wrestling. They're going to be really creeped out by the fact that they're just having a singles match, no weapons, no nothing. They're just yeah, having exactly. a. Yeah. It's it, to me. It, to me, I felt like Tony Khan did this to throw the over fifty crowd a bone. That's how I felt this was. I was just like, I was, I was just like. But oh, then again, he been throwing the fifty bone crowd ever since Chris Jericho came in. But to me, though, this was more obvious and blatant, though, because because Matt Hardy's okay. not doing anything. And Christian technically needs something to do. Because and Jake the Sneak Roberts is cutting promos for Lance Archer, who can perfectly talk. Exactly. And, and it's just like and, – and then we get to the next <laughs> segment here. Like, I'm, gl- I'm glad that we get to talk about this here. We had a video promo with Tess saying, hey, man, Paige got lucky in his match against Brian Cage. And, of course, Ricky Starks then shot a finger at Brian Cage and left. And then Brian Cage and Hook stared at each other and – Taz said that Paige can find one Dark Order member and take on Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs next week. We were in the ring, so Tony Schiavone had to do it. It's Sting, it's you know. Yeah, it's no, Sting. I, I, I know, I know. It's just uh, that's just so annoying. Yeah, like, like, it, to, I was people... fine the first time he did it, but I didn't know that was going to be a weekly thing. Of course, and, it is. And, and and this is my thing here about Tony Schiavone. <laughs> People and in the Wrestling Observer newsletter, because it's voted by fans, people voted Shivani a better commentator than Jim Ross. I should smack. I should smack every person that voted for Tony Shivani. Then it, 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 exactly because because I was just like I was like how is Shivani ranked so high? And then as far as TV characters in wrestling, he was ranked fourth, and Adam Pierce was like ranked third. And I was just like. I said no one really How? Did not watch exactly. And, and Look, it's never gonna be these new millennium kids doing majority of all the voting. <laughs> it got to be that. because there's no way. It's, it's got to be because there's no way you can tell me a 45 year old man or woman or couple, whatever that is, you know, like a wrestling couple, shit like that, that sit there and says, "Okay, 
Tony Schiavone's better than Jr. I would, sli- I would, yeah, I would, I'm probably would have divorced her. <laughs> yeah, and, and, and I and I will say this here though, for people that and people will say this here that I've talked to and say, well, Tony Schiavone's actually pretty good play by play. I'm like, you, you ever watch Blockster Mania? They literally make fun of everything that he gets wrong on those dark shows. Like literally, compared to Jim Raw, Jim Raw has a more iconic voice than Tony Schiavone exactly. does, and he actually. And he's more understandable of the sport, nevertheless, more than so being a, more of a yeah. color commentary and backstage agent and liaison for years. And, and the thing is about Jim Ross, he didn't take twenty years off like Shivani did. And he was he was consistent with his work. Exactly, and even Jim Ross has told Shivani in the past, whenever Shivani wanted to get back into commentary and was getting back into commentary with MLW in 2016, Jim Ross told him, you need to watch a couple of matches of what you were doing on commentary because because if you don't, you're going to really be really, like, having to catch up a lot. And, and like, there will be people that will say, well, Beth Phoenix is the worst commentator I've seen. With no, Art Donovan was the worst commentator ever. He only survived, what, a show Adam and a Burke. half? <laughs> Adam Burke, we're going to get a boat. And this is the thing And this thing here about Beth Phoenix You know, Beth Phoenix is only a bad commentator But she has to get over the Dexter Loomis Indy Hartwell stuff Outside of that, she's actually pretty Actually, like, good on commentary Where she's not insulting or anything Yeah, so she like, yeah, she's a pretty substandard commentator but, but to me, the worst commentator In pro wrestling today Is Byron Saxton because they literally tell you because Byron Saxton they literally make you think he's an idiot and Byron Saxton actually knows wrestling. He's actually called wrestling moves before and what happens is someone gets in his ear and he shuts up. So he actually does know the wrestling moves. He just can't say them because his job is supposed to be the dumb idiot. And I'm just like I'm just like like Byron Saxton would actually be something that AEW would need. Because if he was in AEW and he got the freedom to just do his commentary his way, I think he would blow people out the water. I, I really do. But because so would you bring Byron Saxton to do like the Ray Pay show or the like Elevation or something? Did you give him like a test run? I would definitely do. I would like to see how he does on Elevation. And if he did good enough on Elevation, I throw him in the water on Rampage. Because him, him making because, a big show could be good. And that frees exactly. up a lot of space for Excalibur to focus on the main shows. Exactly. And to me, the thing about Paul White is, you know, Paul White's really – he's still green as a commentator. So it's going to be really hard for me to judge him until, like, next year and stuff. But he doesn't have a lot of help with Shivani neither because Paul White is literally right there. And, and like, for example, Shivani will say, like – Oh, a spear or something, or he'll say a Samoan drop. When really that Samoan drop was a depth dolly driver or something. And it's very hard for Paul White. To, <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure Paul White just doesn't say nothing because it's like I'm making good money. So what's the point of me even correcting him? Like that's how it just went. Yeah, but that's how like, you can tell that people's not going to take that shit serious and then they're in it for the money. If you're not in it for the fucking sport, don't bring me yeah, no motherfucker that. I mean, I mean, don't bring me no motherfucker that's not going to know the basic moves. And shouldn't know it if you're gonna be calling my matches. If I would have heard that in the ring, and you, you know, and you miscall one of my moves, I'm coming out there. I'm coming out. I'm coming outside that ring, and I'm smacking you. <laughs> Not so fucking sensitive. Don't don't get my moves wrong, son of a bitch. And then get the fuck back in the ring. Call my shit right. 
I will say this here though. That about about this here, I think the reason why Shivani and them don't try as hard on these dark shows is because they know that it's on YouTube and it's not like we're being like really like judged or anything. So because because Man, but well, listen, dark- man, presentation is still key. That's like going to a job interview. You know, listen, that's like going to a job interview with a tank top t shirt on. Exactly. <laughs> Come on, man. Like, no, I don't give a shit if it was on YouTube, Twitch, no matter the fuck what. And then I told someone in my group this too. Start wearing your motherfucking t-shirts when we start recording now because I don't want to see your man booze on on any type of recording that I gotta edit the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> on dogs, like you no, know, like it's ugh. So I, I don't I, care I, if it is on YouTube and it's only like maybe like a hundred thousand people that view it. It's still a presentation that still matters because you want to make a mockery out of a company. I, I will say this here though. I was, and this is really sidetracked off, but I was in a Yu-Gi-Oh tournament in oh Minnesota. Oh my god! And there was wait, hold on a second. I, wait, Zach, can I ask you one question about that? Um, off record, off record, what would be the deck that you would use? What, what, what was that? I said I was. I was asking you what deck do you use? Uh, deck I use. I use the forty card deck, but my deck is usually the. I usually try to copy. Everything off the Yu-Gi-Oh! TV shows of what cards they used on TV. So I usually use like the Seto Kaiba deck mixed with the Yu-Gi deck. Mm, I can't do that, man. I'm a straight blue eyes, red eyes, and six samurai deck. Well, I will say this here. I will say this here though. I keep Exodia in my deck. So, oh man, you can't be using the different forbidden cards, but oh, that's even here it is. It's not forbidden. It was not forbidden. Stop. Yes, it is forbidden. I don't get no. Nah, listen, I'm an old school duelist, man. I don't give a shit. <laughs> Just like yo, just like you can't be having dark holes, change your hearts in your decks either. Don't go there. Oh, I'm a duelist too, man. That's why. I, that's why I had to ask real quick because you'll say I'm on my dueling shit too. I, I will say this here though about I will say this here. Whenever I went there the night before, because the night before they usually have like everybody meet and greet, you know, just like everybody shows off their cards, you know, trades which cards they want. And I didn't know that many people really were big Yu-Gi-Oh fans because – and it was really and it was really nice. I met a lot of people. You know, I talked to a lot of people. And then the day of and I went to the tournament, it was different. Like everyone, with, everyone that you thought was nice didn't want to talk because they were focused on their game and everything. And this guy that I played, literally, you could see the Victoria's Secret red bra because his shirt <laughs> – the V-neck was so down, and I was like, oh, so I couldn't look at him, and he was trying to tell me the rules, and he's he's like, why ain't you looking up at me? I'm like, I said, uh, like, I was really looking down at the floor, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like, I'm like, you know what, man, you know, you know, like, I, I get it, I'll, I'll do less than 40 cards, and I literally let him beat me, and then I played someone else, and it was a little bit better, but I left that tournament and I literally was just like saying, so this man really wore a red bra and everything. I'm like, no. And then when he would like win, he would stand up and the bra would almost come out the shirt. And I was like, oh, God. I was like, <laughs> I literally had to. I will say this here, though. I didn't go to another Yu-Gi-Oh tournament after that, and the next week I went to the Olive Garden just to make sure I didn't think about anything Yu-Gi-Oh. I said, I said I'm going to go from 
I said, I'm going to go from this stuff to go somewhere fancy. I said, I'm going to go somewhere fancy. I said, because I said, that Friday, to me, that, that's why I won't do another Yu-Gi-Oh! tournament. If, if I see someone with another red bra, then I probably won't play them. I'm just going to walk out and be like, you know what? Nah. Like, they automatically win by default, you know? So, <laughs> I, I know this was like an off-topic thing. But I wow. had to like get that one out because wow. because 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 if, because I will say this because when you mentioned that I was like man that that got me back to that story where and fun fact it was on the day of my birthday so that was a weird way to have a birthday and some dude literally is trying to celebrate up and down I'm like nope not for me <laughs> wow um... <laughs> Well, uh, yikes! I know, I know. So back, so back to the, back to the rest. I was just gonna say, if you had duelings, um, let me get your ID number and shit like that, whatever. And then I'll try to test out a deck against you, but never mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, so then we had Tony Body. He introduced Darby Allen and Sting. He congratulated them on their win. Sting said he had many incredible experiences in wrestling, but Double or Nothing would be the night that he never forgets. So then, of course, Ethan Page and Scorpio Sky interrupt on the video board. And Sky and Page said that they wanted to challenge Darby Allen and to tell Darby Allen to find someone else. And Page. I challenge you, Kaiba. <laughs> <laughs> that Joe, Joey the Kaiba shit. <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be hard to get up with this show. Wow, anyway, you should so you should have brought that so, up, man. <laughs> I know, I know. So, so then Paige says he sees Darby Allen as a spineless, codependent bitch. So they challenged Darby Allen to find someone else. I, I think that Darby Allen is just gonna take on both of these guys by himself. I don't, I don't, I don't understand why Darby Allen needs a tag team partner. I think it would actually be probably better if Darby Allen just took both on by himself. Of course. They're not letting Sting work a lot of matches in AEW. Anyways. You know what Sting just needs to do? Sting just needs to give the blessing to Darby Allens and start wearing his face paint. I so agree. Pass, on, pass on the legacy so he can actually just say, like, you know what? I can just fade in the shadows when we do my certain spots, whatever that they really need me the most. So let me be out there week after week. I, I agree. I agree because this is thing here about Sting. To me, I understand that they try to build him up as this legend, but he really just comes out and he's he's just it, it just looks weird with him and Darby Allen to me. I understand that like you could use him for tag matches occasionally, but he doesn't have to be out there for every Darby Allen match, and it's just really weird to me. And I'm just like, eh. especially when they don't even do anything with Sting, they don't even like I, I understand like that they're trying to make him this legend and, and he's trying to make him look like this badass, but to me, it doesn't work. It just it, to me, it would work with someone else, but it just doesn't work with Sting. And like, I I think I need to see Sting in the ring at least once a month, even if it's not a pay per view match. He needs to be in the ring once a month. Hmm. I mean, because because even because even Triple H and Undertaker have said this here. When you do one match a year, it's actually harder on your body. But when you do a couple of matches a year. Then you're used Actually, to exactly. then you're used to it again. It's like yeah. your body gotta be able to regenerate the pain again. Because yeah. one exactly. match, you could get hurt. An accident could happen. And, and, like, and remember, Sting's 62. He he yeah. had spinal surgery in 2015, and 
he took that bump off the Night of Champions against Seth Rollins. Yep. Mm-hmm. And 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 to, and to me and to me this one thing I think about Sting I understand why they're like so protective but they got they're gonna have to let because even Kurt Angle has said this year too and Kurt Angle is a pure example of someone that's had spinal surgery as well and he's broke his neck you Kurt Angle has even said this year he said when you get to that age and if you don't work matches a year if you don't work at least seven to eight then your body will break down faster and. And you see it today with Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle can't wrestle now because Kurt Angle's body's been broken down. So, yeah. And then we had the Britt Baker AEW Women's Championship celebration. I got into this a little bit earlier. Um, the ring was filled with TH2, Luther and Serpentico, the Wingmen, Nyla Rose and Vicky Guerrero, the, the weirdest people that you could ever bring to a party. So basically ever- all the heels came out to celebrate pretty much. Well, all the heels there on AEW Dark came out to celebrate. The losers. <laughs> so, and then Britt Baker said everyone has coupons for free burgers underneath their chairs, but it was a ruse just to get them to stand up. So then Britt Baker said that she had the coupons all in the ring, and then I guess, and then her and Tony Schiavone and Rebel were going to have a burger, a Big Mac burger, and now the Rose just kicked the burgers out of the hands and threw some burgers in the crowd. Fun fact, the people that were up, up top behind that video board, there were people literally fighting for those Big Macs and eating them. And then, and, and I literally was like watching. And then I said, wait, how can they even get to the concession stand and stuff? Because it isn't like they can get up. I'm like, huh? Like they probably really were hungry this entire time. I said, I said they really haven't probably had no food. <laughs> I was, like, I, I was, I was like, really, like, I was just like, because at first I was, I was like, that's kind of stupid. Why are they eating a burger and trying to fight for this, like, old Big Mac? And then I'm like, wait, they, they can't even go to the concession stand. They, they probably really are hungry. Like, I even though that. clearly they have concession stands in the assignment at Daily Space, so it's yeah, not yeah, like. Yeah, but you have to understand though, it's not like they can go out there if they're right behind that video board because because they're literally right beside the commentators basically. The people that are, you know, where where like John Moxley and Eddie Kingston will come out for their entrance, at least they can go and stuff. These are people that couldn't even go or anything. Even the people in the front row behind the barricades could have went. It's just like to me, I was just like shocked by that. I was just but then it made me think, I was like, yeah, they probably really are hungry and then so we're going to get Nyla Rose, Britt Baker as the first um, feud for the AEW Women's Championship. So the question for thought? that is, is Nyla Rose now a babyface? Do you well, think that? In, well, it, well, in that company, they don't believe in heels and babyfaces. So. This is bullshit. I don't like that now. I, I, I can't I, see I, Nyla Rose being a babyface. She can't win my ass over. To, to, to yeah, me, to me, she, she has to be a heel. Right, so she, me, she's more equipped to be as a heel than a babyface. There's no way. To, to me, to me, I think she's a heel and a babyface, like because she's gonna be. So she's a tweener. She's gonna be. So she's a tweener. This feud, but it, but what's gonna happen is she's gonna have heel mannerisms because Vicky Guerrero is obviously the heel because she brought out Andrade and Andrade. So she's heel by association. There you go. I guess, but. That's still not going to make any damn sense. Ugh. Sorry, give me a headache. Well, already, well, well Britt Brit Baker, to me, she gets cheered like a baby face, but she insults the fans. And the fans still love her. So it's really hard to, to even see that, too. 
So what are they gonna treat her like Goldberg? Or they or they're gonna or or she's gonna be like what Adam Cole is in NXT. Adam Cole gets cheered and Adam Cole's a heel. Because you literally saw he got cheered when he cut the carry and cross promo. I just feel like the fans are just so confused about what they want. They just throw us all over the damn place. It's just like the wave of emotions and shit. You you know, you know, I can't wait till we get fans back in WWE crowds because because I don't know if they're even gonna boo Roman Reigns. No. Oh hell no. I can't even Oh I hell no! Boo- I can't see them booing. I Roman got my Reigns Roman Reigns because- gear. Oh. <laughs> 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 He's already on point. Because if I'm WWE, I'm just like, I'm just like, what, what like, because it's gonna be really weird, and, and 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 then of course we're gonna have the conference calls where where of course you know Nick Khan or Stephanie McMahon or someone. They're gonna immediately. They're gonna immediately say, "Well, you know, we did all this, and we were the first to bring fans back, and like, and like, if Roman's a heel, he's a heel. You know, it's just like, God, I'm like, we're gonna really have to hear stuff like that. And so I'm, I'm not really ready for those conference calls, and I'm definitely not ready for like fans back in like the arenas like this because now, because now it's gonna be more confusing." But I will say this here, though. It will answer some questions that do need to be answered. Like, for example, is this Alexa Bliss stuff actually going to get over mm. that she's doing? Um, no. And- They're trying to make her and doll tag team champions. If that happens, that's going to break terrible. that women's tag team division. Oh. Yeah, yeah, that's going to break it, period. But, 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 it's not, but, it's not like, but it's not like the tag team division is taken seriously though in WWE from either side it's not men or women's you know it's not even a sexist thing it's literally both don't get traded I mean look at Ray and Dominic Mysterio they got treated like garbage and they were baby faces and they had to work two matches so now Roman is gonna face Ray Mysterio next that's why see that's why I told you that exactly at Hell in a Cell yeah but but you know what but you know what it's just a quick little feud um till they get to John Cena at SummerSlam yeah, that's... so that's so, and and then of course next month's Money in the Bank. So who's um, the face for Money in the Bank? Mess up Money in the Bank. They the last few yeah, years yeah, money, money, in the, money bank. in the Bank. I could see. I could actually see facing Dominic Mysterio. Hmm. I could because no. because technically that's Rick like the almost the same equivalent as Brock Lesnar versus Ricochet at the Royal Rumble 2019. That's the same equivalent, man. That's a smacking. Poor Ricochet. Oh, that guy. Right, and Ricochet, game. man. And that match, oh my God. <laughs> Ricochet should go back to NXT, I think. He needs you so bad. He needs like a refresh or something. He needs a two year reboot. Same way like yeah, Finn yeah, Balor yeah. did. Yeah. I will say I will I will say this I will say this here though. The way they've got Ricochet on Raw now. Where now he has to tag team up with Roberto Carrillo to beat up Sheamus, and they basically look more like the heels. Yeah, because the way she- because... yeah Sheamus took a beating. Exactly, and it's just like it's just. But like, think yeah. about it. I mean, but think about it. Sheamus would Sheamus been giving them beatings for weeks. <laughs> so of course, yeah, at some it, point, the babyface is going to have to pull some heelish tactics. Oh, oh, like, this okay, is okay. even a one pale Irish okay. guy. To be honest, oh, okay, to be okay, honest, okay, okay, I would okay. have rather put um Priest with Sheamus and and try to build the Priest a little bit. Right, like what the fuck's going on with Priest? Well, they've got to find something for him outside the. Middle what you mean? That's that's what the U.S. title is there for. 
Yeah, because you, you, you give him a mix. But yeah, he's right. over here beefing with the Miz and Morrison, having trash ass zombie yeah, apocalypse lumberjack Lomb- Lomb- matches out Lumberjack matches on the pay per view. Yeah. Is that what you're telling after me? The, after the Bad Bunny stuff, they should have moved on with Priest. Right, they, they should have been moved see, on, but, but no, they didn't. But I will <laughs> say, but I will say this here though. I I told this I told this to a lovely friend of mine. I told this to my best friend. I told I told this person. I said the day Bad Bunny leaves is the day Damian Priest is literally going to not be nothing but lower mid card. And the next week on Raw, they had him lose to the Miz and the yeah. Miz is like Calvin Klein's. I knew that shit was gonna happen because I'm like I'm like the day Bad Bunny leaves, he's really gonna be fucked. But if Bad Bunny's around they have to push. Yeah, he looks like a star. They have to push yeah. him because 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 if you don't, then then it really makes then it makes the company look bad and say, well, we, we then then you're making Bad Bunny look bad by association. But, but then again, they already made it look bad when uh Johnny with Johnny Gargano, Alistair Black, Ricochet, and Tommaso Chamber went up to the roster, and they did yeah, pretty much nothing with them. They yeah, they did nothing with them. They already did it once already. To to me to me this is how I look at it. It's amazing how how we're more creative, and in WWE they have sixty people in creative, My and it, 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 can can you imagine what it's on like a three hour creative? show too? Including SmackDown, so five hours. Well, yeah. you know what's even more effed up about the creative in WWE is you okay? Here's because here's how it, Jimmy Jacobs. If you ever want to learn anything from him, he's in Impact Wrestling now. He can basically tell you what it's like being a WWE creative writer. Freddie Prince Jr. actually wrote some for WWE who's been in the Scooby-Doo movies and she's all that. And this is how the creative meetings go. You get there at 9 a.m. Wait, hold on for a second. Guys, Keynote, yeah. Mick Foley's son is also a WWE writer too. Yep, Dooley Foley, yep. And yep. he's been there, and he's been a WWE writer for seven years. So here's how it starts: yep. you get there at 9 a.m. and you and you have to basically be there and have all your work and stuff ready to go. And then at 2 p.m. you do start the meeting. But this is the thing here: you don't even see Vince till maybe 10 p.m. and you still have to be there. And then at 10 p.m. you have to present this to Vince. And if Vince doesn't like page one, he tears up the script. And you're there from 10 p.m. to 5, 6 a.m. and you gotta come back at 9 a.m. for a cat after a cat nap. The mind of a madman. I will say I will say this here though. Bruce Pritchard even said on the something to wrestle last year when WrestleMania they held at the the performance center, and Bruce literally told Conrad that he missed his wife's 28th anniversary because he had to get up. And go to the office at seven thirty. Then he got home at four a.m. from a cat nap. So, I, I will give credit to Bruce on these things. Bruce is a better man than me because it, it, I wouldn't have missed my wife's anniversary for a crazy lunatic, especially when there's not even fans. And and for a yeah, that that was, that, that was really tough for them to not have fans. I I think that it was beneficial for their promo skills, like the the wrestlers, because then it mm-hmm. it really got to show who can, you know, who can cut these promos, and then when there's fans, they'll 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 feel more prepared. 
Exactly. I, I will say the promos were good, and then after that, it wasn't like anything that like the matches. The first because the first month or two of those matches were not good matches on TV that I would have presented because because there was no, no fans, there was nobody really on commentary really talking about it. And but now, but but at least but at least we're a year a year now, and at least we're getting ready to have fans and stuff again. I, I will say though, I will miss. The Cinemac Money in the Bank match because last year I thought that was the best. Oh, Cinemac that was match. creative. I liked it. Yeah. I I just think yeah the wrong guy won. Otis. Oh uh, oh oh no question no question the wrong guy definitely won that yeah. no question that uh, yeah but and the fact that they didn't sell Rey Mysterio getting tossed off the top of the fucking building <laughs> is what killed it for me pretty damn much. Cause this whole thing remind me of the movie Rat Race. If y'all y'all ever heard, if y'all ever heard about that movie, I think it came out like the year two thousand or nineteen ninety nine. I've heard of like the movie. That. Yes. Yeah, I've heard I've of definitely it. Definitely heard of it. Yeah, there's every movie like that, and I think they just took that concept and put it in this match, and they ran off with it. They said, first one to the top and get that belt wins. Y'all can go be creative, chaotic, just go nuts with it. But um, do what we actually do. You have some key highlight points. For each person yeah. and go off with it. I, I will say what killed it mostly was that Rey Mysterio and Aleister Black got thrown off by Baron Corbin, and the next night on Raw, it, no one acted like nothing happened. And then when Rey Mysterio got his eye taken out, then we sold that thing for like six whole months. I was oh, like, right. It, that, it, to, to me, to me, I was just like, I said, my God, I said, how did he get his eye back? <laughs> Well, 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 that was the well, that was the whole joke about everything because yeah. Yeah, because Rey Mysterio <laughs> and Seth Rollins had a match on SmackDown like late in October, and Buddy Murphy like cost Seth the match, and then Rey Mysterio just took off his eye patch, and his eye was as good as new, and I'm just like, okay, mm, like, okay. Yeah. I, I will I will say I will say though the Seth Rollins Rey match. That they had for the eye versus eye was actually funny as hell. Yeah, it was. Because because here's what because here's what happened. (laughs) Seth was getting ready to put Ray's eye out, and you could literally hear Ray say, "Seth, no, please, don't." (laughs) (laughs) I was just like, I said, this guy is supposed to be a baby face. I said, he's crying like a bitch. And and what's fucked up is Ray was gonna take Seth's eye out with literally a piece of a kendo stick and I didn't even hear Seth Rollins bitch that much. I'm like I'm like I'm like, you really? I said and then, and then fuck, you, fuck and this then sad even, man. I said this is supposed to be the baby face right here. I'm really supposed to be rooting for Ray. I said, but I heard Ray cry like a bitch. I said, you know what? Yeah, like, said, no, I don't want to root for this guy. All the way. I said, I said, fuck this match. This match is stupid as hell anyway. And then the fact that <laughs> Seth threw up afterwards, too. To really, yeah. to, it, to really sell that shit, too. To really sell that. Like, I, walked I, away I, from I, the know, I, I know. Like, hey, you haven't made me throw up. I was surprised that movie didn't throw up either. Well, the original plan was they were going to get like this fake eyeball and literally like have it like pop out of the of his socket, and then Vince awesome. said that was too gruesome. So, so he sounds like some moral combat shit. shit. Yeah, fatality, <laughs> fatality, flawless <I> victory. <laughs> I will say, I will say, I will say this: here. whoever told Vince McMahon to watch Kill Bill. 
should probably be in prison because because I'm thinking this is the only thing that because ever since that I versus I think we haven't had anything close to that and I think of Kill Bill two because in Kill Bill two you know uh, Kill Bill I think took out like the eye or whatever or took out something of that of like some woman's eye and it was just like and that made me think I'm like huh like Vince someone told Vince to really watch Kill Bill yeah out of all the things so. <laughs> Um, get, let's get back into AEW. We got wow. so off topic. Yeah, yeah. R, maybe. <laughs> he, he be the bullet. He be the bullet every fucking joke. <laughs> so Tell that the Hulk Hogan titles O'Neil at WrestleMania when they dressed up as fucking pirates. <laughs> now that was ridiculous. But moving on. <laughs> how about how about this here though? We had Red Velvet take on the Bunny. This was actually a really fun match. I actually like this match. I know this match was short, but I actually really liked it. I love Red Velvet's entrance. I love Red Velvet. I, I, I think Red Velvet's actually got something like her and Jay Cargill. Yeah, she I got like the Kwame Jay Brown fit. Yo, she got the Kwame Brown factor, but she got that mama's cooking. And I love, and I love, and I love. That's what her entrance is like, straight out of your mama's kitchen. I'm like. This is like I said. This is literally the perfect baby face. And then you had Bunny. She just needs to have a fat know. ass for years, and that, that's sellable. Boom. <laughs> exactly. And 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 the, and I and I will, and and then the only thing that was weird about this match here was not the match itself. I know that Red Velvet almost got hurt on like a suicide dive out on the ring, but the weird part was like Big Swole and Kylan King. We're out there in like Red Velvet's corner, and Bunny only had Blade and no Butcher. I'm like, and they said, and they said this was a setup to Dark Elevation. I'm just like, I'm like, this is a really weird like plot. I'm like, but but Red Velvet did win. I honestly thought Bunny was gonna win because I, I just had this feeling like, are they getting ready to put Bunny in the title picture? And I'm like, no, they're they're, they're putting Red Velvet. I said this is a smart choice, but but I was kind of weird like Big Swole and Kylan King, and especially even Kylan King. And Big Swole were taller than Red Velvet. It just felt like I thought they were going to attack her after the match too, but they just danced. I'm like, that's weird. I'm like, I was like a little weird by that, but but it was a fun little match. If uh, when they got back to commercial, Red Velvet literally hit the Just Desserts for the victory, which is a, which is almost kind of like the Black Mask kick, except Allie is on the like ground and knee position taking it. So, but I like the finish. And then we had the Dark Water backstage. It was John Silver's birthday, but he said he wasn't hungry for um, cake. He was hungry for gold. Unfortunately, he's not cleared, so he gave his gift, a TNT championship shot to Evil Uno. Um, and then Miro, thank God for his power, shouted out his wife for being hot. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I was like, I know where she's going in 80-some days. I'm like, yep. <laughs> he basically even told you that. And then, and then he said, does it make sense for Evil Uno to challenge for the title because Miro's bigger, faster, and stronger? He said, this will be a teachable lesson for the rest of the locker room to only come after Miro when they're sure they can survive. Dynamite's lineup next week. Remember, this is a tape show, so this is going to be weird having no fans in the building. We're going to have the TNT Championship of Miro taking on Big Uno. We're going to have the Young Bucks and Brandon Cutler versus Pac. Penta L Zero and Eddie Kingston because Eddie Kingston came out and helped Pac and Penta after the match of the opener. And Pac and Penta said, Why'd you come help? So Eddie Kingston 
told Penta, he said, what's up, best friend? And Penta looked all pissed. He said, and then he said, the enemy of my enemy is my friend. And they just were pissed, but they didn't move. And I was just like, I said, you could, you guys still could have punched him. I'm like, he did, he did try to break up the death triangle, but, but I understand why they did it because Ray Felix is injured. And then we got Hangman Page and Preston Ted Vance against Team Taz's Cage and Powerhouse Hobbs. Three weeks, June 26th, the Saturday Night Show Live will be Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy for the AEW Championship. Main event was the Bull Rope Dustin Rose taking on Nick Camarato. Excalibur explained before the match that a Texas Bull Rope match is you touch all four corners. A Bull Rope match is just winner wins by pinfall, no DQ or nothing, and Jim Ross called this match on commentary after the match, Bowling Shoe Ugly. I didn't think it was Bowling Shoe Ugly. I thought it was actually really good. I thought it was a decent match. I thought it was, I thought it was just as good as Apollo Kevin Owens. Hmm. I, I did. I didn't think there was nothing wrong with the match. I liked I, – the only thing I didn't like was that Dustin Rhodes won, but I understood why they just put Dustin Rhodes over. But I would have put Nick Camarado over because Nick looked like he needed the victory. What I think hurt this match the most wasn't the match, wasn't the win for whoever. I think the feud, because if you weren't watching Dark or Dark Elevation, you didn't understand this feud at all. You just thought this was just the most random main event match they've ever put on TV. Exactly. I I agree to that um, last part. Um, I, I to to me to me on to me Excalibur or Jim Ross or Shivani needs to start explaining this stuff on Dark and Dark Elevation better because that little ticker underneath the bottom of who wins that's not working no more that it, it never has worked they think it does but it's not working to me we need to start understanding like like even if you don't watch Dark or Dark Elevation you need to explain if something happens on the shows. Because because if you don't, then it's very confusing. And people – like, for example, it, it, no one would have understood this main event. No one would have if they didn't watch Dark or Dark Elevation. They would have just thought, well, Dustin Rhodes is in the main event and, you know. But it was it was, it was was a match. It, 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 it was not bad. I thought it was just as good as the Paulo Kevin Owens match. I've had some people say that it was Bull and Shoe Ugly, but I didn't think it was and – I thought I thought I thought Jr. kind of like you know buried the match a little bit. I was like, eh, I was like, like he didn't have to bury it, but because because when he said the same thing about the Jungle Boy Luchasaurus versus Bear Country, he said it was bug, Bull and Shoe Ugly, but he liked it. This one he didn't even like it. He just said it was Bull and Shoe Ugly. I was just like, oh, like so. But that was all of the AEW show. Of course, Raw starts in about five minutes, so I'll be reviewing Raw tomorrow along with two NBA games um, that are going on. We got the Bucks Nets on right now, and at 10 p.m., the Nuggets Suns. Tuesday will be the Hawks Sixers versus Clippers Jazz. Um, Ash, I wanted to ask you, who did you think is going to win the seven-game series, the Clippers or the Jazz? I have Utah. Utah... Probably in six. I Blackheart. I just can't trust the Clippers. I don't, and they ah. and they never get usually past the second round for most years. So, Blackheart, what about you? 
I'm gonna pull the opposite of Skip Bayless, but I'm not prejudicial about them. I'll go with the Clippers at seven. For some stupid ass reason, I'm gonna go with it because I feel Utah is a falsified first place team, and I think they're still missing one key piece to make it over the hub and make it to that promised land. They're not ready yet. I will say this year, though, I've got the Clippers in six because I don't believe in the Jazz. And, I, and and you can go back and listen to the podcast episodes that I've done. I think the Jazz are a ticking Tom bomb of breaking up because if the Jazz don't make it to the Western Conference Finals, this team might literally break up. You've had Donovan Mitchell, yeah. Gobert. To me, I don't think that duo works. And I think the Jazz, you know, I could see Donovan Mitchell wanting to trade this offseason, or I could see the Jazz maybe trading Donovan Mitchell this offseason because, because, you know, we talk about Portland with CJ and Dame. You've heard now, uh, we've heard from ESPN's Tim McMahon that Chris Epsworth is not happy with his role in Dallas. This could easily be Mitchell breaking up. And, you know, we never talked about this here yesterday. But what happens if they can get a, done, a deal done for Chris Stepps, Porzingis, and Mitchell, or something like that? That would that would probably that probably be a shocker that no one would see coming. Oh. It would be. It, it would be. But then again, would you really trade your franchise player away? I think you would go for the secondary where Rudy Gobert would have to go if you were to get Porzingis over there. I, I would say that, but but with Utah. You know, in all honesty, Utah, I thought, was going to trade Gobert last year because of everything that happened with COVID between Gobert and Mitchell. But they gave Gobert a, a contract extension more than Mitchell. So oh, to yeah, me, to, to me, I could definitely see Utah, because especially when Donovan Mitchell early in the playoffs was questioning the Jazz's um, organization saying, well, the medical staff wouldn't let me play. They scratched me last minute. So I could definitely see some stuff like that. I definitely could because, you know, it's little things like that that just make me think, hmm. Like, so I, I will say that. But um, how about this here, Ash? What about the Hawks Sixers? Who you got winning that in the seven-game series? I think Philly wins. Um, I was impressed with Atlanta's game one victory. Even yeah. even though they nearly, <laughs> nearly um, lost that one in the end, but yeah, I, I say Philly has too too many weapons. I think for Atlanta, um, it, it goes six. I, I say six. Yeah, I, I've still got uh Philadelphia in six. I still do. Uh, uh Blackheart, what about you? Screw the both of y'all. I got the Hawks. I'm pulling the upset. Oh, I'm, I'm having this going to another seven games. And Trey Young is going to be the shining fucking bright star that's going to happen for this team. I don't trust Ben Simmons' free throw shooting. So you already know how that's going to play. MB will indeed get injured in this case, in this series. And that's what's going to deflate them so bad. And I don't trust the White Howard. So that's my take on that. How about I mean, this year, though? Uh, oh, no, go ahead, Ash. If MB does go down for, like, a significant amount of time, yeah, this series could totally switch. And plus, he's playing with an injury right now currently. Nah. So, give or take, as time goes on, that's going to probably re-aggravate. And what if he lands the wrong way again? And then, boom. 
That's a ticket time on when to happen. That's going to deflate the whole damn team and the MVP. How about this year, though? Um, we did go through the betting odds yesterday on Monday with the two games on. So Tuesday, let's just go ahead and get the betting odds out the way. Hawks, Sixers, the Hawks are the underdog plus five. Philadelphia is the favorite minus five, which means Philadelphia has to win by six. So who do you guys got? Um, Hawks plus five or um, Sixers to win by six or more? I say Sixers win by six. Sixers win by ten. I've got Hawks plus five. I just do. I think the game's going to be too close like it was in game one. Clippers, Jazz. Clippers are the underdog in this game. Plus four. Money line plus 138. If you bet $100 – on the Clippers to win this game with the plus 138 they've got currently, you go and win $238, which is $138 payout. The Jazz are a minus four in this game. So I got to ask you guys, are the Clippers pulling off the upset in Utah game one, or are you going to take the put, are you going to take the four um the plus four points spread or Jazz just winning it outright? I, I, I say Jazz win. It's a close game. I think Jazz win. By like three or four points. Okay. I'm going. I'm going with a well-rested team in this series, which is going to be Utah. Um, Devin Mitchell is going to be the key star in this game. He's going to have at least close to forty points, and I say they win by six. I'm going to go Jazz over four as well because I don't because the Clippers are only getting one day of rest, and they're literally heading to Utah. And I don't think that Paul George and Kawhi Leonard's shots are going to be going down in this game. Uh, Kendall, what's up, man? Uh, how you been, man? I'm good. Jazz is winning. Good. Jazz is going to win. Jazz oh, you got Jazz win. just winning game one? They're going to win not just game one, but the whole series. Well, what do you think they're going to win in five, six, or seven? Uh, I say uh, six. Six? All right. All right, bad. Good. Um, how about this here, though? That's um, what you call. It. Hey, Kendall, make sure to follow me on um, locker room. All right, I got you. All right. Um, how about, and that's gonna be it. Hey, what's up? Okay. And that's gonna be all for the today's episode that I've got. I've literally covered everything. I'm getting ready to go ahead and just take a shower and everything. I'm gonna watch Raw late tonight because. Because it's not like I have to rush to watch Raw anyway. Yeah. Um, 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 I just want to say a special shout-out to everybody here. Um, hoping for the Carolina Hurricanes to win tomorrow in Raleigh because Hurricanes are down 3-1. Shout-out to the Golden Knights for winning me money last night. They tied the series 2-2. So um, Golden Knights, Avalanche, 9 p.m. tomorrow. So hopefully Golden Knights can go up 3-2 in Colorado in the mile high, and hopefully the Hurricanes can win game five and – Win three straight and actually win. The Hurricanes, actually, I don't know, like, I'm sorry if I'm boring you guys, but the Hurricanes and the Lightning in the second period on Saturday scored seven goals total. And the Hurricanes were, and the Hurricanes literally lost the second period still. They were down 5 4. They lost the game 6 4. So hopefully Carolina actually can get another victory on the defending champ Lightning, but I don't think it's going to happen. Hopefully it does. And Hurricanes pull off a big upset in Raleigh um, because 
Because and I'll tell you this here: the Hurricanes have not been playing like very sportsmanlike. They've been playing very dirty like. So even I can say that about my Hurricanes, but but I do like them. So, but that's all for the Keeping It 200 episode, episode 19. Make sure everybody checks it out on Spotify afterwards. Thank you to Blackheart off the top rope. Make sure to check out his stuff on Spotify and other streaming platforms. Ash, thanks for coming in. Candle, Candle, thanks for coming in late. If you missed any of the show, you can watch it again on Spotify or anything. Um, anybody's got anything else to shout out for I end the show? Um, hopefully the Bucks can win tonight. <laughs> I'm telling you right now, the Bucks aren't winning. KD's overpowered. This is stupid. Shout out to my Brewers, man. Let's kick some ass out there in um in New York right now. Let's take this game four. I believe that we're in right now, currently. So um hopefully we can get that three one lead. And I'm excited for the soccer Euros coming up. Oh, we'll see what happens with Spain. Ooh. Jesus. Ooh. We got, got soccer in here now, man. Man, everybody's gonna <laughs> Everybody going to be a part of this show. Um, I, I do have a question, though. Is anybody watching the UFC pay-per-view Saturday? Oh, you want to talk about UFC? That's, I'm the guy to talk anything Friday. I'm watching it. I watch every single UFC card. I watch UFC 1 all the way to now. I Are you going to watch the pay-per-view Saturday with um, the oh, yeah. main event being Izzy and um, Bro, I watch Benatori? I watch everything. When the fights start at 6 o'clock, I'm sitting there at 6 o'clock to 2 in the morning watching fights. The press conference. Oh, wow. Word. I, I, I am watching the pay-per-view Saturday, and right after, I plan on doing a podcast episode. Literally, if anybody wants to check it out, definitely doing the post-fight. I'm only covering main card only. I'm not covering okay. prelims. Kendall, Kendall okay. you can come in, and you can discuss prelims, and I'll give you the floor on that. But main mm-hmm. card, I will be covering. All right. Yeah, I'll definitely be in here to help you, you know. All right, yeah, that's that's my main thing. I'm a yeah. basketball guy, but mostly is MMA. That's what I mostly like. Yeah, because yeah, because because well, right after I can definitely come in, like because I know the UFC pay per view will probably end probably a little after twelve thirty one o'clock. Yeah. So yeah. I'll definitely be awake and everything like mm-hmm. that. But but that's all for the keeping it two hundred episode. Thank you all for joining. I'll talk to you, all of you guys next time. Peace. All right. See you.